Okay. So we have been in the text for a while. Yep, we're good to go. Sorry. Um, kiddos, you guys are good to go. Fifth through seventh, you're welcome to go as well. Anyone else is welcome to go if they want to, too. Um, no, we've been, in the, we've been working through uh, the book of Matthew, and we went at things a little bit out of order. If you had noticed, you're like, wait, you skipped a section of scripture. We did um, in my amazing planning um, back a month and a half ago. Uh, we knew that we were gonna, Mike was teaching because I was going to be gone in the Philippines, and he wanted, and then ended up needing an extra week to go over the Lord's Prayer, which really probably could have used like seven more weeks, um, but we're going to just go ahead and move on from that. And then Dusty from another church last week taught on, uh, on giving or on, on fasting and what that was. And I didn't really, to be honest with you, I didn't fully plan exactly how this would lay out, and I think it's pretty, pretty interesting how, how God allowed this to happen um, just because— you know, I just spent the last few weeks in, in, in the Philippines and spending some time there. And then as, while I was in the Philippines, I was like, I should look at the text we're going to cover when I get back. And realized that I had skipped over um, giving to the needy. And so then I was like, oh, great. Now how am I going to figure out how to talk about that after the experience I just had? And so bear with me, I guess, a little bit. If you, We're going we're gonna to dig in. I'm going to share a little bit of the story of the Philippines. I'm going to try and tie some of that in. And it's going to be a little bit all over, but it's an incredible text. And so real quickly... Turn with me to Matthew 6, uh, verse 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, the ushers will bring one up. Um, but a quick little background. So this section, we just came out of chapter 5 where, you know, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus was there, and he's, he's been talking about all these different things. And first, he hits these blessings, and who, blessed are those who, and he goes through this whole, this whole line of, of righteousness and what it means to be righteous and how the standard was so much lower by man and he just kind of elevates that standard and said, this is what it's to look like. And, and we realize coming out of that that really we're incapable of that and, and that it, we're incapable of being that apart from Christ and that Christ is the one that brings us to that, that state. And then, and then he goes in chapter 5 and he, he goes to this whole like, you have heard. You have heard it said this way. The way that the teachings have been going, I'm coming to tell you that I'm not abolishing that law, but let me, let me lay out kind of what this looks like. In, in what it was always meant to mean and, and how it's supposed to play out in our lives. And then he gets this section of the Sermon on the Mount, which is an, is an interesting section because he basically calls out another warning, and he says, you know, he's like, warning, take heed, and he hits these three very, very basic principles. He hits giving, prayer, and, and fasting. These were three practices that would have been, would have been done by every Jew in that day, and, and, and they were something that all of them understood, and so now he hits kind of like, take heed when doing these, and he starts talking about things that they were already doing, and, and how we can, we can do them to be more like the way that, that Christ had intended them. And Dusty, last week, he'd shared, and you should, if you weren't here, you need to listen to it, but he basically shared the whole point of this section is, is, is who our rewarder is. Is, the very short of it is, is that he's saying we, we are to do these things, but out of a motivation recognizing that our Father, God, who is our Father, which Mike talked about, is the rewarder. Not, not man, not doing it for, for some kind of pat on the back from someone else, or not, not doing it because you just, you know, that's what you're supposed to do, but literally doing it because we recognize that our Father in heaven is the one who rewards us, and, and having the right motivation in doing things. And so, if you didn't hear that, you should... Go back and listen to that because that'll make more sense of today. But, but the section we're in today, Jesus, Jesus hits this, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny that this is the first thing he hits. And I'll just read it real quick and explain in the context of that day why it's somewhat comical. But it says in chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may be passed, um, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so Jesus kind of is, is setting this, this idea of, of your and my righteousness is never going to be about what I do. But, but that being said, the Jews at this time were really, really good at giving to the needy. And the reason for that was, is, is this, the, the Hebrew word, the word that, that means the alms or giving to the needy, was the same word that they used for righteousness. And so for, for the Jew in that day, it meant like giving to the needy, it was how you become righteous. It is what you do to become righteous. In fact, in the religion Islam, giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting are three of the five pillars of their faith. And honestly, we could go through religion after religion and religion today. Most of it has to do with giving to the needy, doing good works. In fact, if you were to ask anyone, how do you get to heaven, whether they have any kind of background in faith or not, what would their answer be? Do good works. One person. You arrest, you failed. Sorry. Um, Doing good works, giving to the needy. See, in fact, all of us want to do that. We all kind of feel like we have some motivation to, to make a difference in some way. And it seems weird that, that Jesus turns to this first because, again, every single Jewish in that day and today know, like, man, giving alms was, was used synonymously with righteousness. So how I attain righteousness, how I get rewarded from God is, is in how I do these good works. But Jesus has been spending this entire sermon right now talking about it's not just what you do, but it's who you are. You got to remember, Jesus is always, always, always more concerned with being with God as opposed to doing with God. It's out of us being with him that our doing becomes real and starts happening. When you, you flip those, you get everything out of whack. And so he, so, so he says this thing, like giving to the needy, which almost feels contradictory to what he said a chapter earlier when he says, let your, let your good works shine before men so that they can glorify your fathers in heaven. Chapter 5, verse 16. And it's like, why is, he, why is he saying that and then come to this? And it's not that he's saying we shouldn't do good works where people can see it. It's not like you have to try and figure out this covert op where no person will ever see it or you failed at doing the right good works. It's, again, what Dusty was talking about last week. It's the motivation as to why you're doing it. In fact, there are things that those of us who are in Christ are going to do that will be seen, and that's okay as long as it's not being done to be seen. So the point he's making is, is literally do the good stuff. That's great. Do all these things. But if you're doing them for that pat on the back, if you're doing them for that so that someone can say, oh, you're so holy, if you're doing them so someone can applaud you, then, then you've, you've received your reward in full. And you're doing it for the wrong motivation. So I wanted to real quickly define a couple things because most of the time when we think of needy, we think of um, the poor, which is actually the, the context here. It's, it's those that are, are in need. Those, are, those who are chiefly poor, subject to oppression or abuse, needing help. Now, that in itself can mean someone that has a lot of money but is being oppressed or abused. So that's another version of needy. Um, they need deliverance from trouble. Um, and then... Uh, at the root word, it says, especially as delivered by God. So a needy person is someone that, is, that is, is, is missing the hope of Jesus Christ. So really, a lot of us can be very, very needy. And so it's not just those who are financially poor. But in the context to how he's using it here, it would have meant alms, giving alms. That meant when someone's begging of you, when someone's holding their hand out to you, giving to them, saying don't turn from them. 
And I really wrestled with how we were going to communicate or talk about this, especially with the experience I had in the Philippines the last few weeks, because, because here I, I want to share a bunch of, of, of information from the story, but it kind of feels like I'm standing up here going, well, you know, you know how I gave to the needy guys. Look at this kid. You know, last week I did this, this, and this, and this, and you guys would applaud me. But, but, but that's not the, the point of why I'm sharing it. I hope you know that. But, but I think it's valuable to share it. But it's really hard to because it wasn't up until this last trip, and this is my second time there, it wasn't up until this last trip where I honestly can say, I don't think I actually understood what Jesus was talking about in context to this, this text. It wasn't until this last time when I went, when I went, oh, maybe it makes a little bit more sense. And so what I wanted to do, and I, I wasn't going to necessarily do it through pictures, but it makes more sense. I'm going to show you a few pictures, and I'm actually going to do a quick definition of each one so that they don't keep moving on them. Um, this is in no way going to show you what the Philippines was like. Um, this is just an aspect of it, and I wanted to show you the need there, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this text. Um, the first picture is, is, well, first off, this picture um, is, is actually a little boy that was begging. He was asking for it, and this is something you see over and over and over again in the Philippines. They're, their hands out, they're begging. And the people that are there with us, the, the, the locals, that William and Mercy and some of them say, you know, a lot of them, like you'll give, they, they run these, these, these rinks, this group of kids. In fact, Jake got his wallet picked by a, a group of kids in Angeles City, and we, we got it back. You should have seen the kid. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we did get it back, but uh, <laughs> there was no blood, I promise. Um, but but they'll, they'll, they'll run the same way that a, a pimp would traffic women. They will traffic kids in pocket picking and begging. And so they'll use this. You'll, see, you'll be walking, you'll see a parent push her kid out from an alleyway to you to start begging and doing this. And so, so we were told, like, you know, well, don't give, because if you give, they're just going to go buy, um, and I can't remember what it's called, but it was a little bag that they would breathe in, and it was like some form of drug that they would use. And it's like, don't do that. And, and to our context here, it's like, don't give to the guy that, you know, finally put a real thing on a sign instead of saying, I need help with my kids. He's like, why lie? I need a beer. You know, like, don't give to that guy because you're just helping him, you know, further his context. And we'll talk more about that in a second, but, but this is common there. This is something that, that they will do, and they're relentless. They will continue to beg, and I will tell you from my context here to walking into that, everyone is needy. I mean, everyone is. There's, there's, no, there's no, like, middle class that's like, hey, you're par with this person. Their middle class is substantially lower than our class, and so this is, this is a, the first video is us looking into the picture of, or looking into the house that she lives in, and she's, she actually is, is awesome. She always smiles. She was amazing. She's very, very, she's very outgoing, surprisingly, for most Filipino women aren't, but she is showing you her house, and that's it right there. Like, she's standing in her house where she sleeps, where she eats. She leaves there to go to the bathroom, and this is a, off the side of a bridge, they built this in place here, and those are all houses along the way, so they're not even real houses but this is where they live. And a few of those right here is Annabelle. This is Emily down in her house. Annabelle has her oldest daughter, Princess, is in our scholarship program. And so we're able to scholarship. Annabelle's um, one of her daughters. And then there are two other kids she has right there. And, and what's interesting is as I, as I show you this picture, we can keep ripping through them. I'm going to go quick. Sorry. This is, this is how they, they live. This is a little girl. We just, Jake just happened to go by and the dog's barking at him. But happened to see she was just resting, taking a nap. And that's that's their house. Like, that's not like this boat. This is their house. We asked them, how long have you guys lived here? 18 years. 18 years they've been raising their family on this little boat, and there's no more to the boat. In fact, they started having a family that lives on top of the boat, right on this water. 
water that my water bottle fell in, and I was like, mm, I'll just leave it there. Actually, it was Josh's water bottle, so it wasn't that bad of a deal. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this is Paradise Village, and, and sewage is running down the middle. This is the people that last year in January, they're the first, we were the first white people that they had seen there. William and Mercy are doing a Bible study there that has grown. It's exploded, and every time we go there, we're taking rice. In fact, William and Mercy, they just purchased land there, which is awesome, and they're going to try and put a little, little house where someone can live and do church inside of there as well. That's William, there's Jess, and then this lady with her back to you is Becky from the Hope House. But this is that street, so I went back to, I should have put these in order. This is that street that we were just looking at. A bunch of these kids are kids that you, if you have given here, you have sponsored. So that's important because I went over there, and yes, it cost, I took personal money, and yes, it cost time, but I went over there with a lot of, um, a lot of money that you guys have given for the roof and a bunch of other stuff and was able to give to these people out of what you have given. So you have given to the needy through this. But this is a Bible study, and I laugh because we have a hard time getting people in houses to hang out in comfortable couches. And this is the middle of the day. It's hot, and there's a road going by where they're not really paying attention, and they do this every single week. Every single week, the people come out of their, their houses so that William and Mercy, which are the two right there, can lead them in a Bible study. Every single week, they do this. This is, the, this is in Novotis. It's the streets. That's what it looks like there. <laughs> Such happy people. That um, house right there has eight people that live in it. And this is the banks of these. Um, this is another village. Sorry, I'm just ripping through them. Um, this is a, a village that William and Mercy started a Bible study in this house. It was dangerous enough in this place that they said we need to leave before the daylight goes away because we're not safe there. But um, William and Mercy say the murderers and the thieves and everyone kind of reside there. And they have this, this Bible study that's just been blowing up in the middle of that. And they're just continually going there every week and keep going. And that is just another picture of how clean their water is. And the last one, oh, sorry, pause. She was, way to go, Karen, my bad. Last one I wanted to show you was um, in Paradise Village, it's sewage, sewage that, that, that goes everywhere. The water fills up. It's really, really, really gross. And the trash just has nowhere to go. They don't have their trash service. And so um, the kids got a trampoline, and this is the trampoline that they have. You know, I've never seen anything like this before. But this is what they're playing on, and that's the sewage and the trash that the kids we're wrestling on and playing on and running around on. And that is normal for them. And what I, what I wrestle with, excuse me, is their, their everyday life is something that my children will never have to experience. And so it's really easy to go, they are so needy there. And so I, I, it, is, it, is, it is so fun so fun. I came back literally going, God, how can you be so good after experiencing a place like this? That's literally what I felt because every single story, even the, the, the kids that, that, that God has allowed us to sponsor that have been in this school this last year, just the 20 that we did as a trial that's ending in March and then the new school year starting in June with the 70 or 80 or whatever else we've, we've raised last year for, just those 20 kids, like two-thirds of their families have come to Christ in the last year. And every single one of those families had some story that they told us. And they're thanking me profusely. It's like, it's not me. It's, it's the families. I'll, I'll pass it on. 
the thing is, in their home, they're like, we've been able to start a little store here and make some more money. My, my husband's gotten a franchise on the bike, and we've been able to do this. And story after story where God has just moved in their lives, and it's amazing. And as I share this with you, I, I, I wrestle because most of us will hear this, and some of you have been there, but most of us are like, well, you know, I guess I better go to the Philippines so I can give to the needy. And most of us will think, okay, you know what? There we go. And it'd be really easy for me to think, well, you know, I went to the Philippines and I gave to the needy. Check that box off this year. Don't have to do that anymore. And the problem is with this text is that, is that Jesus doesn't say if, he says when. And then he te- uses this word practice. He says practice. You know what? That, that the closest relation to that word is covet, which I thought was really interesting. Meaning something you long for. You desire righteousness, so you continually do it over and over and over again. We know that in Christ our righteousness is sealed, but that we are to continue practicing that righteousness. We are to continue living that righteousness out. And so it's really easy for all of us to think, okay, you know what, we've done something. We've made it, we've made a, a difference by checking a box. Or some of us going, you know, I don't really feel like I'm in a spot where I can head to the third world. So we just disengage with it. And what I realized in this trip, and the reason why I wanted to share the Philippines with you, is up until this last time, I don't think I really understood what it meant to give to the needy. Because I would do the same thing that all of you would do. This is a big generalization assumption. You, you see someone that's asking on the side of the street, and sometimes you do give, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you hire them for work, and they help you move something, and, and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you see the person that you gave money before lunch on the way out. You're coming back from lunch. You see him drinking a 40. It's like, awesome. I just bought him some more alcohol. Like, I get it. Like, this, this, this reality that we live in, it's so hard to know whether or not you're doing anything, but it changed profusely for me. It changed drastically for me when I was in the Philippines, and the reason why is because because I now, I now know Annabelle and Princess. I got to sit and have a conversation and not just throw some handout rice, here you go, but I was invited into their house and I sat with them and I got to do a Bible study with them and go to church with them. And what I realized is, is them very quickly became people. Them <laughs> very quickly became people. They became individuals that mattered to God and he stirred in my heart and mattered to me. And so I don't say this to look at me like, look at how holy I am because like I said, I've been following Christ for a very long time and I didn't get it until this last week and I still don't get it because I come back and I drive past someone on the street corner going, you're not poor. You should see how the Filipinos live. My own pride. My own issues. We had, a, we had shoes and I jokingly said this. This is about as vain as you can get. I don't like bringing my shoes back from that place. <laughs> they just kind of stink. And I decided this time, like, you know what? I'm going to bring them back because that's so vain and, and just silly and they're shoes and they're in great shape. And one of the guys that was playing basketball with us in Novotis um, had, was like the same size shoe of me, which was amazing because he was like this tall. That's how, pretty much how tall of them all of them are. I was awesome in basketball, by the way, because I was so much taller than all of them. Like, it was amazing. Um, Hadn't been that good since, well, never. Um, and <laughs> anyways, I decided, like, oh, you know what? Hey, you know, sure, here you go. Have some shoes. Like, there you go. See you later. I'm like, do you have any socks? He's like, no, I, I don't. And I'm like, oh, here's some socks. And I just kind of thought, like, oh, cool. I did something neat. And I, I know him, and he's awesome. And his name's Sherwin. He's great. He played basketball super quiet. Well, then Mercy walks up to me, like, an hour later. as We're getting ready to leave. And she's like, hey, Sherwin's really, 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 really shy and really embarrassed. But... 
He's never owned a pair of shoes in his entire life, ever. 23-year-old boy, never owned a pair of shoes, and I just did it flippantly like, ew, they're dirty, gross, throw them away. Yeah, take them. You don't notice the smell. And my beat-up old shoes, he says she's never had a pair of shoes, and he just wanted to thank you, but he's so embarrassed by how poor he is and so embarrassed that he, he's going he's gonna to just, he doesn't know how to say it to you. And so I just walked over and gave him a hug. I said, wear them. I said, dunk in them, have fun. And here's what changed for me, guys. It was a pair of shoes. What changed for me is now it's, it's, it's Sherwin. It's not just a pair of shoes and some needy person. It's Sherwin. It's someone I can pray with, someone when I go back I can hang out with. It became personal. And that's what I think Jesus is saying here. He says, if you're doing it for, for, for praise from men, if you're doing it for this, then you've missed the point. You're doing it for some personal, personal kick to feel good about yourself, and you've missed the point entirely. You've missed the gospel. So what about those of you that haven't gone to the Philippines or you've been trying to figure out, look, what does this mean? I, I feel like we need to go back just a little bit to a text here in Matthew where Jesus was teaching. See, Jesus says, um, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. I've not always obeyed this command. And like I said, I, I struggle. Like, am I giving to the cycle of poverty if I just keep giving? Am I enabling someone to keep on sinning or, or create bad habits or struggle with some, some addiction? Like, what am, I, what am I doing in this? But see, Jesus gives us, he doesn't, he doesn't give this command in context of addressing how is this going to facilitate transformation? He doesn't say give to the needy so that they can know me better and by knowing me better, they'll kick the addiction and get off the street and move forward. He just says give to the needy. He just says give to the needy. And then he goes on, or right before he hits that, he says, do not resist the evil person. He says, let them slap you twice, verse 39. Give him more than he is suing you, verse 40. Do more than he is forcing you to do, verse 41. Love your enemy, verse 44. It sounds like Jesus is calling me to be radically generous with people that are explicitly evil. It sounds like he's asking me to be radically generous with people that hate me, people that are seeking to take advantage of me. Really, Jesus? Really, is this, is this what you're asking of me? And I could, I could lay out a number of scriptures where it talks about don't throw your pearls to swines or, or I can give myself lots of justification on when not to give in war and all these other things that, that we have biblically. So it's this mess in my head. And maybe there are some times, and I agree that there probably are some times where we're not called to give and we're not called to move. But from the words Jesus speaks here, I think it applies way more often and way more broadly than we want it to. See, I think it, it's, it's really easy for us to justify why not to give. And I'm not just talking money here. It's really easy to go, I'm late. I can't help that person right now. I've been, it's been a long day at work. I'm just, I'm just tired, you know, so I, just, I don't need to help that person that's had a long day at work get back in their car. See, Jesus tests our hearts with a radical love. And my heart is selfish, unloving, unloving impulses that do not want to part with my money, possessions, time, or convenience for needy or evil people. I wrestle with this daily. I have a ton of noble-sounding rationals to conceal my sin. But what Jesus is calling me to is, is, is a gospel love. It's the love that, that at my worst, he died for. 
It's a love that when I didn't deserve it, when it was inconvenient, when I was still completely sinful, ungodly, an enemy of his, that we see in Romans 5, it was at that point that Jesus died for me. See, and there's something about you and me, something about us that this over-the-top radical generosity that doesn't take the, the ownership of I have to be the one that's transforming him, that points to, that pictures the gospel. It's both an expression and a picture of the gospel. And I think it's wise for us to apply that to every aspect of our life, of every religious activity that we do. Why are we doing it? It'd be really easy for me to make you feel really guilty right now. You have too many pairs of shoes, or you have two cars, and you have this nice house, and and make every single one of us feel like dirt. But that's not the motivation that God calls us for. In fact, we have a biblical example of the motivation on how this is supposed to look. 2 Corinthians 8, Paul tells that the Macedonian church, the Christians, gave generously to the Jerusalem famine victims. See, here's the thing. The, the, The Macedonian church was broke. In fact, we know that they were struggling. They were, they were hurting. They were in an extreme, severe persecution at the time. They were in no way more rich than Jerusalem. But yet they gave. In fact, in verse 2, it says, it says out, of the, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, poverty welled up in, what? Rich generosity. So what was the dynamic that moved them to give? Not guilt, not because they had to, they're overflowing joy, verse 2. And then in verse 5, because they gave themselves to the Lord first. It was interesting, as I spent time giving to the needy in the Philippines, I did it with William and Mercy. And as I watched them do it, and they walked down the streets, and everyone like everyone knows him. It's like, hey, Pastor, they all know him. They all love him. He's an amazing man, and I don't want to idolize him, but maybe I asked him into my heart a little bit. But either way, um, no, he, I'm kidding. He's awesome. But here's the thing. He is, he is third world. He has been impoverished. And for 24 years this March, he has been serving faithfully in the poorest of poors in the Philippines as a poor person. And I think you and I go, well, you know, I'm just about to have a kid. It's a little expensive. When I get done with college, when I start making it a little bit more, when I have a little bit more time, and we start justifying out of our out of our little that we have why we can't do anything. And the Macedonian church said, We don't have anything, but we still give. William and Mercy don't have anything yet, they continue to give. And I think why it changes is because. God has broken my heart for Sherwins. I met a girl, Danica, beautiful girl. She's 17 years old. Since she is 13, since she was 11, she was dumped by her mom because her mom got remarried and the stepdad didn't want her. And so they kicked her out of the house and she got shipped off to grandma and grandpa. At 13, grandpa had a stroke and needed medicine and she lives in Devotis and they had no money. So Danica started working in the bars at 13, to sell herself so that she could provide medicine for grandpa. $20 a month, that's an easy fix. And she does that every single day. And then when when Emily, one of the girls on her team, asked her, like, do you have any dreams? What do you want to do when you grow up? And you know what her answer was? As a 17-year-old girl, I want to take care of my grandpa and grandma. That was her hope. 
I'm just going to survive. And it's so simple. It's like, okay, we can, we can give a little bit. And the problem is, is I realize, is that I can't solve the problem. Right? I, I, can't, I can't fix Danica. I can't change her situation. God has allowed us with resources to hopefully help. And maybe that will, and you can be praying for her. But it's not my job to transform. But the difference is, now for me, and please hear my heart on this, this is not my pride getting in the way of this. But for me, I now see it differently. Because see, when I give, I don't want to just throw money at someone. I don't want to just pretend and, and appease my soul so that I can feel like I'm doing something. I want to get to know people. I want to not just check off the box. I went to the Philippines last year or this year. Awesome, I'm good to go. And for you, what is it in your context today? Who are the needy in your context? It's interesting because Jesus says, and I think it's important because it's so easy for us to mess up every good thing. We're good at that. But Jesus begins a section with take heed. It's a very extreme caution. Be careful. Be careful not to let pride set in. Be careful not to, not to make it about the wrong thing. Be careful to make your giving something that you, you make for yourselves. And, and I can tell you guys, I wish every single one of you, if you are, hear me on this, if you are giving money to Revolution 22 or you have given money to sponsor a child, you need to hear this right now as if it were a really, really, really broke Filipino woman or man saying it with most of their teeth missing. They say thank you. I was at the Hope House, and right before I'm leaving, I hadn't even met one of the ladies, and she was, she was there, and she comes up after we prayed, and she comes up and grabs my arm, and she starts crying, and she's like, thank you for sponsoring my kids. She's been in the bars for 20 years. Because you're sponsoring my kids, I could come out. And I'm like, I just told her, I'm like, it's not, it's not me. It's some families that have faithfully been giving to do that. So thank you, guys. Now, take heed. Be careful. Because two things I want to warn us in. One is, don't, don't set that in your heart and go, sweet, I did something. Whew. Check it off. I don't have to do anything else. Don't disengage from it. And the second thing, the second thing, don't you dare, don't you dare let pride set in and say that you're better off than them. We, we can't because we, we, we ruin the very thing that God is calling us to do. So where do you engage with this? My, my charge, my hope for you would be that you would engage with it um, individually today. Uh, the word needy, again, wasn't just financial, although in this context was used to giving alms. But there are plenty of people that are needy around you. In fact, I would argue that there, there are some of you in the room that have been abused. Physically, mentally, sexually, you have been abused. You are in a form needy. You need restoration. You need love. You need community. There's some of you here that, that really don't know who Jesus is. You are needy. You, you, you need something. And so my, my, my prayer my request from you guys, my challenge for all of you is that every single one of us are needy in some regard. Well, let's just take heed. Let's drop our pride and let's ask for help. Let's, let's stop running from God. And let's run to him. And let's, let's put ourselves in a vulnerable spot where we might actually get hurt by each other because we're all messed up people. One of the things that, that blew me away and why I think that they are probably less needy than us in the Philippines is because out of necessity, they do life 
together. We were, at, we, we got to spend six days in the, or five days in the VOTUS, and it was awesome with William and Mercy. I could never, I don't even know if I, God had made it in me to run the pace that they run <laughs> day in and day out. He hasn't had two days off in a row for 24 years. But they have so many people around them, so many people that don't have money, don't have good jobs, don't even have a lot of talents, but they just are present and willing to engage in that. Maybe some of you right now, you're going through a life-altering decision, and you keep just kind of isolating yourself, holding out like, oh, I'm just, I'm mad at God, and you just, you're not recognizing you're needy. I'm just going to give you freedom to say I am needy. Let, let people help you. Some of you, you, you've been checking off your box with us. You're like, oh, you know, Rev, we're doing it on March 16th again. You know, four to five times a year, they close services, and we go serve somewhere, so check. And you're calling that your version of giving to the needy. It, it's time for you to start feeling it personally. Because I'm telling you, there's a difference from giving money for someone to buy shoes across the country than handing them your own shoes. It's way different, and I'm not saying that so you can pat me on the back. They were not great shoes, I promise. <laughs> I say that because God changes you when your heart's in it. And so my question is, what breaks your heart? What? Is there anything today that you cannot handle? God has grabbed your heart in it, and you can't help but think differently the way you live your life because of that. Not because you think you can solve it, but because your Heavenly Father has brought attention to it in your heart, and He has given you gifts, which, by the way, you have a gift if you're living here in America. What is it? So our hope and our, our prayer isn't that you would take pride in this. Maybe it's getting involved with hospice homes around here, helping refugees assimilate people that were ripped from their community to come to hope a better place and then isolated again. Like, what, what is it for you? Is it giving it the rescue mission? Is it maybe actually just paying attention to the people that live near you and seeing if there's a need that you can feel for that? Not for your name or your glory, but for Christ alone. See, Jesus says, it doesn't say if you give to the needy, if you practice. He says when you practice, when you continue to strive to give alms. So this is an everyday process. This is a continual thing happening in each of our lives. And I... I would argue with you. Some of you, you need to go to the Philippines. You need to have your heart ripped out that way. Some of you, you really don't need to wait for that. Maybe you just need to be willing to, to give to someone in need around you. Some of you, you are needy and you're just too dang prideful to ask for help because you've been hurt, because people have failed to meet that need. And either way, it's time for all of us to start engaging in that. Josh is going to come up and we're going to sing some more. There isn't, there isn't some special process to doing this. There isn't some perfect formula for every single person. We can't say here's the seven steps on how to do it. I think it's just recognizing that, that we don't have to do it guilty. We can do it out of our overflowing joy, and that joy is that he has taken our heart and he has breathed life into us. Our joy is already complete in Christ. So we can, therefore, live for him in a way to help those around us. And, and I think maybe it's, it's time for most of us to stop waiting for someone else to do it and to really just ask God, where, where in my life 
do I need to be more present with this? We pray, Father, you are stirring in people. You always do. Your spirit is alive and active, and I pray that that spirit would be moving in the hearts of every single person here, not because of guilt, a feeling where we've so shamefully failed at this, God, but out of freedom of your gospel that that changes us, that restores us, that redeems us, God. May we live by that. May we, as followers of Jesus, actually truly live that. Not wait, not pretend, not give excuses of too busy at school or with kids or at work or just too many things going on. God, would we, would we actively engage in this? Father, for every single person in this room, I pray you disrupt our schedules this week. I pray we have a great plan for the day and have every expectation and you plop a need right in front of us. And God, I pray boldly that we would not ignore your spirit inside of us when you tug on us, that we would not excuse it away, that we would give and we wouldn't give in a way that then tells a story of, of look at how awesome we were, but we'd give in a way that, that our left hand has no idea what our right hand is doing in a way that only you are present, God. And may you reward us for that. Reward us for, for living a life that brings more glory to you and less and less of us, God. And for, for our friends in the Philippines are in so much need, um, I joked and said last time I left the Philippines, I left going, God, how could you let so much bad happen in this world? Um, I thank you for allowing me to leave this time thinking amazed at how much good you do. The fact that the, the 20 kids that we've sponsored this last year that have um, radically different lives, not because we're awesome and we gave from the, the masses we have, but because you are at work in the hearts of every single person. You've taken the little little bit we offered and exploded it and brought incredible glory to you for it, God. So I pray that you keep doing that. I pray that you keep moving in that. But God, I pray for here locally. I pray that each one of us would stir each one of us that is, is hurt, that is needy, God, that we would, we would not sit in a selfish little place pretending like we can handle it on our own, God, but that we would truly open our arms up, let go of control of what someone may or may not think about us, and truly seek um, your restoration, Father. And God, for those of us that, that leave today with a couple bucks in our pocket, may you find some way to multiply that couple bucks into someone's life that changes them for for your eternity. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.